So the Lenten season has begun. Lent is the time leading up to Easter. And for this season of Lent, we're beginning a new series called Led. Uh, there were moments in Jesus's ministry where the Holy Spirit played a prominent role in Jesus's ministry and teaching. Jesus was spirit led, which is one of our distinctives here or directives here at TFRC to be spirit led, where we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in everything. And we want to relate those moments where Jesus is led by the spirit to us being open to the spirit's leading. The Holy Spirit guided the way for Jesus. The same Spirit guides the way for us. And so we'll learn uh, about some of the things Jesus taught about the Holy Spirit. We will see how Jesus relies on the Holy Spirit in his ministry. And then we want to apply all of that to discover the Spirit's leading in our lives. Uh, For many of us, the leading of the Spirit is mysterious, which is appropriate because the Spirit can move in mysterious ways. And uh, we hope, though, that in this series, to equip us a little bit more to identify how the Spirit is leading us. Uh, Each week, the scripture will come from one of the Gospels. And while we're not focusing on just one Gospel, we are focusing on passages where the Holy Spirit is explicitly stated in having a role in the ministry and teaching of Jesus. The scripture for this morning is uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verses 7 to 15. Uh, You can turn there in your Bibles if you would like. John is the fourth book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. Uh, You can also look up John chapter 16 up on your phones. Our scripture reader for this morning is Marvin Barnes. And so Marvin, please make your way on up to the podium. As he does, if you're able, please stand, face the center of the room. We read from the center of the room to remind us that scripture is central in our lives and we stand because we believe that this is the word of God. And so Marvin, whenever you are ready, please read from John 16, verses 7 to 15. Very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove to the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people don't believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Marvin, thank you very much. You may be seated. So when I sleep at night, I keep my cell phone uh, on a nightstand by my bed. I do that for two reasons. One, uh, just in the 
uh, chance that I get an emergency call in the middle of the night for whatever reason. But the second reason I do it is just in case I need to get up for whatever reason, and that way I can use my phone as sort of like a nightlight to navigate my way through my bedroom. Now, we've lived in our house for 20 years. My bedroom hasn't changed. You would think I would not, I wouldn't need a light to navigate my own bedroom. After 20 years, I should be able to walk through my bedroom even in the dark, but I still need the light because I don't want to bump into anything. I don't want to trip over anything. Sometimes my dogs sneak into our room and sleep on our floor. Um, And likewise here at church, especially in the other building, if I'm turning off lights at night in that other building and I turn off a hallway light and then I still need to walk down it, well, I'll use the light on my phone uh, to kind of just guide my way. Now, Again, I should be able to walk down a hallway that I've walked down a hundred times, even if it's pitch black, but I still need the light to guide me. We've called this series Led because the Spirit leads us and because the Spirit acts as a guiding light, sort of like LED lighting. Um, And so we're just kind of playing on that. I want to give kudos to Ryan and Lorianne for that sign. It's really cool. I didn't know they were going to do that, and I love it. So thanks, guys, for putting that sign up. But um, the Spirit acts as a guiding light. And even if we've been following Jesus for a long time, we need the light of the Spirit to help us navigate as we're following Jesus. The Spirit lit the way for Jesus in his ministry, and the Spirit lights the way to lead us. The Spirit is a light in the darkness. And in John chapter 14 and 15 and 16, Jesus teaches on the Holy Spirit. And there are some things that Jesus teaches in John 16 that are fundamental for the under, for understanding the role of the Spirit in our lives, things that are often overlooked or we take for granted that we already understand what Jesus is saying when there's a good chance we really don't. And so the first thing to point out from this passage is that the Holy Spirit counsels Let me just go back to verse seven. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus said it was good that he's going away because when he goes, he will send the advocate. Now the word that gets translated advocate is an interesting word. In the original Greek, that word is paraclete. And the word paraclete shows up five times in the whole Bible. Four of those times is Jesus teaching on the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. The one other time it shows up is referring to Jesus, and you can find that reference in 1 John. But paraclete, depending on what translation of the Bible you have, gets translated a number of different ways. Paraclete gets translated as advocate or counselor or comforter or helper. Those are four very different things. Advocating, counseling, comforting, and helping are not the same. So how does a paraclete fill all those various roles? Well, outside of the Bible, in ancient literature, the word paraclete occurred in what I would just call the secular ancient world. And the word paraclete was used in the legal 
world. And the best translation for paraclete in the legal world is lawyer. A paraclete is a lawyer. So just think about this. Jesus compares or uses as a metaphor for the Holy Spirit a lawyer. Now that's weird for two reasons. First, in our culture, we like to make fun of lawyers, right? There's all sorts of lawyer jokes, usually at the expense of their character. But second, the reason why it's kind of weird, is lawyers deal with law, like legal stuff. Why would we need the spirit to help us with the law? Why would you compare the spirit with a lawyer? It's kind of weird. But just think about it. Let's just mentally process this. In the secular world, the law is meant to enhance life. If there was no law, it would be chaos. The law matters. The law is what makes civil society possible. It makes life better. However, trying to navigate the law in court is almost impossible to do without help. When we have legal issues, we need a lawyer. Not because the law is bad, but because sometimes it's hard to navigate in the way that it's supposed to be navigated. And so when we need to navigate the law in court, well, what do lawyers do for us? If you need to go to court, navigate the law, a lawyer advocates for us. And what do lawyers get called in court? They get called counselor. Lawyers are helpful in court. And going to court with a lawyer is comforting to have a lawyer at your side. Going to court without a lawyer is crazy. Now, when I was in middle school, my family moved from Wisconsin to California. And in my junior year of high school, I convinced my parents to let me finish high school in Wisconsin. Not going to tell you how I did that. But my ju- so my junior year of high school, I lived with my older sister. And my senior year of high school, I lived with a friend and his family. But my senior year of high school, I was still a minor. So my friend, his parents, needed to become my legal guardians. And so there was no custody dispute. We were all in agreement of what we wanted to do here. But we needed a lawyer to help us navigate this so that my friend's parents could become my legal guardians. And so he told us what the process would be. And he gave us the paperwork we we're going to have to fill out. And he arranged a meeting with the judge. And I actually had to take the stand to testify that this is what I wanted to have happen. All of this just for my friend's parents to become my legal guardians. And the lawyer was our counselor, our advocate and helper, helper. And his presence was very comforting, especially when I was on the stand. Jesus compares the Holy Spirit to a lawyer. Now, for those of you who are lawyers in this room, I would take that to the bank, especially the next time someone makes a joke about your profession, okay? Now, some law firms have picked up on this meaning of paraclete. 
Here is a logo for an actual law firm in Southern California. It's called Paraclete Law. Look at the logo. You have a dove that represents the Holy Spirit. The dove has the scales in its, is carrying the scales, which represent the law. When it comes to the Holy Spirit as a paraclete, obviously Jesus wasn't talking about how the Holy Spirit helps us with the secular law. Jesus was making the metaphor because the Holy Spirit helps us with God's law. Jesus said that he did not come to abolish God's law. Jesus said he came to fulfill God's law. Meaning, to live out the law of God the way it was intended to be lived out. You see, the law of God is meant to lead us to live life as God designed it. And Jesus knew how to follow it so that the law gave life. And he taught and lived that out with his disciples. But following the law of God as God intends us to is hard to do. And so even though we have the word of God, we need help. And so Jesus gives us a paraclete, the Holy Spirit. And one of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit is to lead us into living out life as God intended. The Spirit is meant to help us discern the right way to live. Because the right way to live life is life-giving. And when it comes to living life as God intended, the Holy Spirit is our counselor, advocate, helper, comforter. The Holy Spirit is our paraclete. So the Holy Spirit counsels, again, think lawyer, not psychologist. And the Holy Spirit also convicts. Going back to verse 8. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Now, that word prove can also be translated convicts. And given the fact that paraclete is a legal term, this makes sense, because whether you are convicting or proving, you have to make a case, which is what a paraclete does. So the Holy Spirit convicts the world about three things, convicts that the world is wrong about three things. The world is wrong about sin, righteousness, and judgment. And he says, the world is wrong about sin because people do not believe in me. People do not believe in Jesus. Now, to believe in Jesus is more than just a doctrinal agreement. To believe in Jesus is to have faith in Jesus. It's a statement of credibility. In other words, I believe Jesus knows what he's talking about. Now, if you have mechanical issues with your car, do not place your faith in me. I cannot help you with mechanical issues with your car. Place your faith into someone who knows about cars. But if someone who knows about cars tells you to get a new battery, 
then have faith in them and get a new battery. When Jesus says, love your neighbor, turn the other cheek, do not look at a woman lustfully, put your faith in Jesus and do what Jesus says. Now humanity chooses to live life as humanity sees fit. That is the sin of the world. And the world comes up with all sorts of reasons to do what it wants. The world justifies human trafficking and racism and sexual immorality of all kinds and genocide and greed and corruption and slander and all sorts of things contrary to God's design for humanity. It doesn't matter to the world what Jesus says. And the world is wrong. So the Holy Spirit convicts on sin and the Holy Spirit convicts the world in righteousness. And Jesus says, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. Now the context is important here. Because Jesus is sharing this shortly before he is arrested and crucified. And so when he says, I am going to the Father, he is referring to his um, resurrection and ascension. Jesus' resurrection and ascension affirms everything that Jesus said and did. And so the Holy Spirit is going to convict the world for rejecting the righteousness in Jesus. So he's going to convict the world in sin in regards to righteousness and convict the world in regards to judgment because the prince of the world now stands condemned. Again, the context matters. Jesus is about to be crucified and resurrected. And the evil one, who is the prince of the world, when the evil one thinks this, the crucifixion, is going to be the end of Jesus, when in reality, Jesus' death and resurrection is the end of the evil one. He has lost. So because the world rejects Jesus, the Holy Spirit convicts in sin, righteousness, and judgment. And the case that the Holy Spirit will make is the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. That is what the Holy Spirit uses to make his case to the world. And if these are the facts of the case, that Jesus died, Jesus rose again, and Jesus ascended to the Father, then the world has no case. And so what does the world do in response? Denies the facts of the case. Denies that Jesus ever rose from the dead. Because the Holy Spirit's case is too strong if the world admits the facts. So the Holy Spirit counsels, convicts, and the Holy Spirit clarifies. Going to verse 12, where it says, where Jesus says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Now, this part of the passage is very important. The Spirit will guide us into all truth. 
He will speak only what he hears. He will glorify Jesus, and the Spirit will receive from Jesus what he makes known to us. Now, this is very important because I hear the following a lot. I hear things like, God told me, or the Spirit told me, or the Spirit led me to do this. Now, I believe God speaks to us and the Holy Spirit leads us and the Holy Spirit speaks to us. But my question for us is, how do you know that is true? How do you know it was God who told you? How do you know it was the Spirit who told you? And how do I know if that person is sincere versus that person using the Spirit as some sort of spiritual power play? Because if the Spirit, if you tell me that the Spirit told you to do X, Y, and Z, how do I argue with that? But what if it wasn't the Holy Spirit that told you to do it? How are we going to know? And we are told in the scripture to test the spirits. It says in 1 John 4, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. You see, the Holy Spirit is not the only spirit out there. The evil one likes to masquerade as an angel of light. And so if you feel like you're getting a prompting of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit's leading you in a certain direction, I think that's great. Now, it's our responsibility to test it, to make sure it is from the Holy Spirit. And let's, I just want to give us one principle to do that. And here it is. Right is more important than remarkable. Right is more important than remarkable. The Holy Spirit will never lead us to do something contrary to the word of God, to do something contrary that Jesus taught or something that Jesus affirmed. Our counselor helps us navigate the law of God. Our counselor does not negate the law of God. Again, the law is not a bad thing. The law gives life when followed correctly, like how Jesus followed it. So if someone tells me that the Spirit led them to cheat on their taxes, or enter into an adulterous relationship, or murder someone, that's not the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus said in Matthew 7, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but... Only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Now, this passage sometimes gets summarized as, hey, look, just because you speak great things for Jesus, or just because you do have, have done great things for Jesus, that doesn't mean you know Jesus. That's a really sloppy summary of this passage, and I totally disagree with it. Look closely at the passage. I'll go ahead and put it back on the screen. Not 
everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Notice the emphasis on what he says. Only the one who does my father's will. Second, look at what many will say to Jesus. Jesus specifically mentions three things. These are not just random things that Jesus pulls out of the air. There's a reason why he mentions these three things. He says, many will say to me, didn't we prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons. And in your name work miracles. Now, let me be very clear. This is a qualifier before I get into my point. I believe in prophecy. I believe in driving out demons. I believe in miracles. They happen. The Spirit still does them. But now let's go back to the passage. Prophecy and miracles are gifts of the Spirit. Driving out demons requires the power of the Spirit. All three of these things are acts of power of the Spirit. And when we see acts of power of the Spirit, we are quickly convinced that God is moving in that. And Jesus is saying, just because you see these acts of power of the Spirit in your lives does not necessarily mean I know you. Again, the Spirit does prophesy. The Spirit does lead to driving out demons. The Spirit does work miracles. Don't hear what I'm not saying, okay? But the danger of those things is we see the act of power and we automatically assume it's Jesus, it's God. And Jesus says those acts of power do not necessarily mean I know you. I know you if you do the Father's will. And if we are going to do the Father's will, we need the paraclete. We need the Holy Spirit to guide us. Again, the Holy Spirit does acts of power. I don't want anyone hearing me say, Chuck doesn't think those things happen anymore. But we often have our priorities mixed up when it comes to the power of the Holy Spirit. We marvel at the remarkable more than doing what is right. And Jesus says, doing what is right is more important than doing the remarkable. Now, let me just illustrate this. Two quick stories um, of Holy Spirit promptings in my life. Told these stories before. Some of you have heard of them. Could tell them again. You're getting the Reader's Digest version. I was doing a chaplain internship at the largest hospital in the state of Wisconsin. Hospital had over 700 beds. You know, the, the parking garage, six, seven flights. It was always packed. Um, I was in the ER with a family. Mom was the patient. She had three adult kids. Two of her adult kids were with her. There was another one of her children, adult children, on the way. Mom had ongoing heart issues. And the family was worried that their sister who was on the way would go looking for mom in the cardiology part of the hospital. 
which was on the other side of the hospital from the ER. And um, this is before everybody had cell phones. And so they gave me her name and asked me to go to cardiology, have her paged and bring her to the ER to be with her family. So I leave the ER. I'm in the main lobby of the hospital. It's in the middle of the day. There are tons of people passing through the lobby. It's like walking through a busy airport terminal is what this was like. So I walking this way, a woman passes me walking this way and I get this prompting. That's the woman you're looking for. I usually ignore those kinds of things, but I didn't ignore it this time. So I turn around, catch up to this woman, and I said, hey, look, I'm Chuck. I'm one of the chaplains here at the hospital. Are you so-and-so? And she looked at me and she said, yes. And so I said, well, let me take you to your family. Now, whenever I tell that story, I get a, wow, that's awesome, reaction. So here's my second Holy Spirit prompting story. I was at an Angels baseball game, went to the concession stand, paid for my food with a $20 bill, got some change back, got back to my seat, realized that in addition to the change that I got, I still had my $20 bill. So I got this prompting that I needed to return the $20 bill to the concession stand. I didn't want to, but the prompting wouldn't go away. So I went back to the concession stand, explained to the lady behind the register what happened, and I gave her the $20 bill. Now, whenever I tell that Holy Spirit prompting story, I get a good for you kind of reaction. So why does the first Holy Spirit prompting story get the reaction it gets, and the second story really doesn't get the same reaction? It's because we have our priorities wrong. The Spirit will guide us into all truth. He speaks only what he hears. He will glorify Jesus, and the Spirit will receive from Jesus what he makes known to us. Jesus said, only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven will inherit the kingdom of God. We love the remarkable, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. We should celebrate it every time it happens. But just remember, while we love the remarkable, God loves it when we do what is right. The right is more important than the remarkable. And let's just think about this for a second. Quite honestly, when I hear stories of people doing what is right, especially at great cost and sacrifice to them, I find that truly remarkable. Jesus died for our sins. Jesus rose from the dead. And that changes everything. The Spirit will always lead us to where God wants us to go. The Spirit is always leading us, guiding us into truth, leading us to where God wants, helping us to navigate this path as we follow Jesus. And the Spirit leading us is not the question. The question is whether or not we will go where the Spirit leads. Please pray with me. And Lord, we do thank you for sending 
what Jesus called the paraclete. Lord, our counselor who will guide us, help us navigate to do what is right in your eyes. And Lord, I would ask that you would um, open our eyes and soften our hearts and be sensitive to the prompting of your spirit even today and this week. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. And receive God's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.